Hallelujah. And I want to look together at Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. Now, of course, on Pentecost Sunday, I have to talk about the Holy Ghost. And uh, this, is, this was the text that we, I haven't skipped around or anything. This is exactly where we landed, just as we've been working through the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 4, in verse 25, this is what it says. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor. We are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, um, that he may have something to give him who is in need. Let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth, but what is good for, and necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you, with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord's hand on this word. Mighty God, I just thank you, Lord, for your presence already so evident in this time. But I just ask, Lord, even as we open your word, that you would speak to us. You would change us, mighty God. Challenge us. Help us to be so sensitive to the yearnings, to the desires of your spirit, mighty God. And I ask that an anointing would rest upon me, that I would preach as I ought to under the authority, under the unction of your Holy Spirit. Anoint every listener within the sound of my voice. Give us eyes to see ears to hear and a heart that perceives what your spirit is speaking today we give you this time in the name of jesus and everybody say amen, amen. you may be seated i love this passage of scripture and i love the idea that it presents uh you know we're not going to do anything terribly unusual today because we are a Pentecostal church, not just on Pentecost Sunday. I just want you to know that. Uh, what we were doing here earlier, where we're prophesying and we're praying and we're flowing in the Holy Ghost, we're going to do that every time that we gather together. So uh, in my mind, every Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. Even Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday is Pentecost. Uh, uh, so we're going we're gonna to live in that. But I, I'm hoping, I'm praying that, uh, that, that God will kind of open us to maybe an idea that you've not considered I, I have a thesis for my message today really only one point that i want to express to you and it's this everything that you and i do will either attract or offend the holy spirit everything that we do will either attract and welcome the holy spirit or there are things that, that we can say, that we can do, the way that we act that will offend or grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we can quench the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but you got, I mean, isn't it, wasn't it just wonderful to be in that presence of God in that moment? I mean, I still have a sense of the presence of God. Don't you just want to live there? Don't you just want to be in His presence? And I believe there's a way that we can walk that, that we're sensitive, that we're tender to what the desires of God uh, truly are. You'll notice when Jesus was baptized, three of the Gospels give this account of this moment Jesus was baptized. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus like a dove. 
And the phrase is very particular there. You understand Holy Spirit's not a dove, right? He's like a dove. Holy Spirit, I mean, it's like saying that, that uh, God the Father isn't a burning bush, you understand. No, there was a, a manifestation. It was, a, it was a, a display of God's character through the burning bush. We don't believe that Jesus Christ is literally a, a, a lamb walking around, right? No, that was a, that was a, a characteristic. That was a, that, was, that was a picture that was given to us that embodies the, the nature of, of God. And in the very same way, the, the nature of the Holy Spirit is like that of a dove. So he's not literally a dove. I hear Rodney Howard Brown make jokes about this moment. He was in a service and he was praying and a dove flew by. And he said everybody just like wigged out over this idea that, wow, there's a dove in the place. And I'm like, so what? That's a bird. <laughs> Holy Spirit is already with us. He's in us. He's upon us. And, uh, but, but the nature, and I just want to, just kind of plant this idea in your mind. Now just imagine for a moment what Jesus experienced when the Holy Spirit came. And, and John, he said, you'll know when the, when the anointed Christ has come because you'll see the Holy Spirit come and remain upon him. Now that's an idea. Holy Spirit comes upon, but it remains. How many of you have ever been touched by the Holy Ghost and boy, you, you feel the fire of God or you feel the goosebumps or you've wept in the presence of God. You've had something where it's like, I know that God has touched me. And how many of you within 24, 48, maybe less hours than that, uh, the touch is lifted and you have some fleshly experience once again. All of us, right? Uh, I mean, I don't know any of us that are walking in the fullness of what we receive, maybe in that, that moment where the Lord touched you. But Jesus, the Bible said that He would not do anything He didn't see the Father do. He wouldn't speak anything unless He heard the Father speaking. He was walking in this continual union with the Father, but the Holy Spirit remained upon Him. And I just want you to imagine for a moment if a dove came and landed on your shoulder and you wanted the dove to remain upon your shoulder, it would affect the way you walk. It would affect the way you talk. You would carry yourself in a very particular way because you knew if I do anything abrupt, if I lift my voice, if I start shouting out, if I, if I do certain things and the dove is not on board, he's going to be frightened and he's going to leave. I want us to live with an awareness that everything we do is either going to be receiving or rejecting the Holy Spirit. This is very important. If we're going to be a church that's going to see the type of miracles that I believe God wants to do, if we're going to be a people that are led by the Spirit, if we're going to be a people that, that impact the lost right in the moment that they need it, we need to learn to walk in unison with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Are you guys with me this morning? Okay. Now, I want to talk about some of the nature of the Holy Spirit. You'll notice, uh, you'll notice that a lot of times when, when Jesus would talk about Holy Spirit, he wouldn't, he wouldn't say he's an it. You understand? I like Star Wars and everything. Anybody like Star Wars? Uh, you know, I love Star Wars. But uh, understand that Holy Spirit's not a force. 
That's Buddhism, right? Holy Spirit is not like some, some mystical uh, entity out there, you know, untouchable, unknowable. No, he's not. He is a, he's a he. In fact, you'll notice Jesus in John 14, 17, he says, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. He said the world can't receive him because they don't see or know him. But you know him. He dwells with you and he will be in you. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. Even though I'm going, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm sending you someone and you already know him because he's around you and he's in you. He is with you. John 16, 13 communicates the same idea when he, the spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but what he hears, he will speak. Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit, in the very same way that Jesus is a person, we talk about the person of the Father, the person of the, the, uh, the Son, the person of the Holy Spirit, understand, it's not just some mystical force out there. Holy Spirit is as real as the person who's sitting next to you right now. Pinch your neighbor. Come on. They are that real. In fact, I would submit to you. Now, don't hurt them, okay? I'm going to turn this into a healing meeting. Um, <laughs> But I want you to understand that Holy Spirit is that real. In fact, I would submit to you, now this will trip your brains. Did you know that everything that we see in this created realm was actually created out of the unseen realm? I would submit to you that Holy Spirit, even though you can't see Him, unless you would choose to manifest Himself that way, even though you can't see Him, He's actually more real than you or I are. That's just a bonus thought for you. Very interesting. Holy Spirit is a person. And He wants to minister to us personally. Jesus said He would be a helper who would abide with us forever in John 14, 16. He said the helper, the Holy Spirit, will teach us all things in verse uh, 26 of John 14. He said the helper, the Holy Spirit whom I send, will testify of me. Did you know that when we give Holy Spirit room to move in our service, He's always going to be preaching about Jesus. This is why we determined a long time ago, uh, I, I don't know if you come into the uh, church like this in our prayer moments and you hear somebody praying in tongues. Like I, I just say we're all on board for that. And the reason is, if it's the Holy Spirit, I want it. If it's the Holy Spirit, I want it. And this is the reason why. There's a movement right now called the seeker-sensitive movement. And I understand the heart behind it. These are people that want to be uh, mindful of the fact that you've got unbelievers or new believers or people that come from a non-spirit-filled background. And, and we want to be gracious with those people. We want to help ease them into the things of the Lord. And again, I understand the heart behind that. And we'll do things that we can as long as it doesn't violate Scripture or what the Lord desires to do. We're going to do what we can to make sure people are comfortable in the presence of God. However, I believe there's a better approach. And so what we've decided to be as a church, instead of being a seeker-sensitive church, we desire to be a spirit-sensitive church. And the reason why is I believe exactly what it says here. When the Helper, the Holy Spirit comes, He is going to bear witness of Jesus. Now let me tell you something. I, 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 you would be a fool to think that we in our best efforts and programs are a better witness of Jesus than the Holy Ghost Himself is. 
When we give Holy Spirit whatever you want to do, how many know Holy Spirit knows how to minister to someone in their place of need far better than I could or a program that we could instill? So we're going to be a spirit-sensitive church. And as long as your heart's open to God, I mean, that's, that's how I approach the Lord. I'd encourage you to do that. Like, God, I, I don't know everything. And sometimes I come into stuff that, well, this seems a little weird, but if it's you, God, if it's you, I want it. If it's not, clean it up, deal with it, and that's fine. Remember the disciples? Boy, I feel like going on tangents this morning. I need to be careful. Remember the disciples? When Jesus was walking on the water, they were stuck in a storm. Jesus comes walking across the water. Do you remember what they said when they saw him? It's a ghost. They were missing right in front of them one of the most dramatic miracles recorded in all of Scripture. And the Bible says that Jesus in the Gospel of Mark was intending to pass them by. But one of the disciples, Peter, ends up calling out to Jesus. And because he called out, because he recognized that it was Jesus, he ends up stopping coming into the boat and the storm is, is stopped. And I just wonder sometimes... Is Holy Spirit doing something? And we have this moment where we say, that's weird. It's a ghost! I don't know about all that. Have we ever missed something that the Lord was desiring to do? Because we've never seen something like that. This is why I, I want to be so mindful. You'll watch as you study revival history. God always did new things that nobody had ever seen. And there were people who laid hold of it and said, oh, God, this is incredible. They'd, I've never seen people weep like this. People have never had open visions like this. I've never seen people fall down like this. There were always things that happened that were new in that day and age. And to me, I know that when God pulls, pours out His Spirit in full measure the way He intends to, there's going to be things that you and I see. That's new. That's new. And I don't know what to do with that, but if it's God... Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Are you with me today, church? I feel like you are. So, hallelujah. Holy Spirit is intelligent. He has thought process. Holy Spirit, I, I've got verses for all this, but i got some good stuff I need to get to before our time is done. Holy Spirit has a will. Did you know Holy Spirit has a will? Holy Spirit can speak to us. Now this is one, another one that will just kind of trip your brain. In Acts 13, 2, it says they ministered to the Lord and they fasted and the Holy Spirit said separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them. And I just want you to think about that for a second. Are you close enough to the Lord? That you can discern when you hear the voice of God and you're able to tell the Holy Spirit spoke to me versus Jesus spoke to me versus the Father spoke to me or even an angel spoke to me. I find it very interesting between Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 13. You see accounts in these texts where an angel spoke and they knew that it was an angel. Where Jesus spoke from heaven to Saul, Paul, and uh, he knew that it was Jesus who was speaking to me. Here we see the Holy Spirit speaking. And to me, I'm amazed at the fact that they were able to discern the difference when Jesus or the Holy Ghost or an angel or the Father was speaking. I don't know if you're in the place where you can tell the difference. I know when God's speaking, but I'll be honest, a lot of times I don't know the difference. And that inspires me, man. I've got room to grow. I want to seek the Lord to where I know I, I can tell when Father God, when, when Jesus or the Holy Ghost is speaking to me. Let's get hungry for the things of God. Amen? 
Hallelujah. Holy Spirit prays. We see that in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. He's making intercession for us. But what I want to talk about for a moment this morning is the fact that the Holy Spirit has feelings. Did you know Holy Spirit has feelings? That we can literally conduct ourselves in a way that that Holy Spirit is is overjoyed and He wants to draw nearer and He wants to fill that in a greater measure. But we can also say and do things that Holy Spirit says, "I, I want no part of that. We can quench the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. And my desire, you guys, is a, you know, one of the one of the things that I love. As we were we were going through this COVID season, when it first when it first started uh, cropping up, you know, we started looking at this and and we would seek the Lord earnestly, God, because nobody knew how how aggressive COVID was. Nobody knew at that point in time that it's got a ninety nine point nine nine whatever survival rate. We we really didn't know, and so early on, I think everybody was just kind of like, how serious is this thing? I remember my, my wife and, and, and our team, our, our, our staff and our leadership, we would get together and we would pray, well, what do we do? How do we minister? How, how, do, how are we going to gather? And we decided, you know, we did, we did drive-in service and we would give away food and we never stopped having meetings uh, on, on our property, on, in, in, in our church. And so, uh, uh, and I just remember some of these days, oh my goodness, you guys, we had people who were afraid and I understood it at that point in time. Today? No, but, uh, but you guys are here, and I love it. But, uh, but early on, there were people, they, they wanted to stay in their car as they would worship with us. And so we would make provision for that. We'd get to the church at 5 in the morning or earlier. We'd be there all day Saturday setting up video and, and uh, all the worship equipment and all of this kind of stuff. And, uh, and I remember we would work our brains out just to do that. And I would stand out in the hot sun. Man, I mean, direct sunlight. And I'm preaching two messages, and I'm preaching the gospel hard like I do and uh, and man I'm going and I don't remember a time ever being so tired but I remember after we'd sit down and I'm just like in you know half comatose (laughs) and I would feel the pleasure of the Lord I would feel the joy of the Lord that you're not giving up we're not just going to go sit in a a room by ourselves and talk to a camera we'll we'll do that but there's more and i remember as we were sensitive holy spirit what do you want us to do how do you want us to meet how how are we going to shift and change i felt the pleasure of the lord guys that's where i want to be that's where i want to be i don't care if we've got if we've got 30 people having a bible study on the porch that's where we started Or if we've got hundreds of people that are gathering over the course of the weekend, let's never lose this idea that, Holy Spirit, I want to remain in your pleasure. I want to be in your joy. Don't ever let us miss a single thing that you desire to do. Oh, let's be a people sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everything we do will either attract or offend the presence of God. And so we're going to live our lives in that way. There's things that we can do. You know, our our worship will attract the Holy Spirit. Godly fellowship will attract the Holy Spirit. Prayer will attract the Holy Spirit. Faith will attract the Holy Spirit. Serving, giving, fasting, sacrifice. All of these things, I could lay out a foundation that, that attracts the Holy Spirit. And there's really only one thing that will offend or resist the Holy Spirit. It all comes down to sin. 
A lot of things that we can do to welcome Holy Spirit, but it really only takes sin to resist Him. Have you ever had that moment? In fact, I had a moment where I, was, I had correction brought into my life this last week. I was, uh, I was sitting uh, with Pastor Hennessy, who shared with us last Sunday, and he was asking me, he said, hey, this pastor's been seeking me out, he wants to preach in my church, and uh, he was asking my opinion on, on that. And he didn't know that that pastor has had two moral failures in the last number of years, has fallen into sexual immorality on multiple occasions, and has not yet been restored. And so I told him, I, you know, graciously I told him, um, not now, <laughs> he's being restored, uh, you know, sometime. Yeah, but uh, right now, I, he, he still needs some ministry. And, and I felt the pleasure of the Lord over that conversation. And then, I took it a little further. And I started saying things, details about that situation that I knew. Have you ever felt that, that moment where Holy Spirit says, shut up? <laughs> Don't say that. You've crossed the line. This, this was good. This, no. And I remember Hennessy, he was the one who actually kind of put a pause on the conversation and he, he began to share about a pastor was looking through a, uh, through a, a magazine, a Christian magazine, and it had, had all of these individuals who were speaking for a conference and he was looking at all their pictures and like, I don't like that guy. I don't like that guy. You know, goes through the whole lineup for these, this, this conference. Like, I don't care for any of these guys. But the Holy Spirit brought a correction to him. I want you to look at that list again. And this time, I want you to find my pleasure over their lives and the things that they're doing for me. So he had to go back and look and like, I don't care for the way this guy preaches, but Thousands of young adults are being impacted because of the message that he carries. I don't care for this style of worship, but wow, look at the way it's transforming this school of ministry. And he forced himself to go back. Even though these weren't people of his camp or his language, he found the Lord's pleasure and the Lord's joy over every one of those situations. And I just want to encourage us, let's, let's be that kind of people. Let's be the kind of people that instead of seeing, anybody can criticize, you understand. Anybody, you can meet somebody, spend 30 seconds with them and begin to pick out their character flaws or their sinful habits. And, and it's as plain as day. We all know it. But let's be the kind of people that say, Holy Spirit, what, what pleasure do you find in this person? What's the gift or the, or the treasure or the calling that they're not yet walking in? And, and let's be the kind of people that draw out the potential on the inside of some. Instead of chastising them for their failures. The Bible says, be angry and do not sin. Be angry, do not sin. Now you'll notice, now this is, this is going to help you. This was a revelation to me. You'll notice the Bible doesn't say don't be angry. Do you notice that? It doesn't say don't be angry. No, in fact, it says the opposite. Be angry. Everybody say, be angry. Be angry. I want to be sensitive to this. Some of you grew up with an angry father, and, uh, and that was not godly. And I understand. This, is a, this can be a sensitive topic. But I will not forsake what I believe God desires to be a powerful expression of His Spirit 
because we've had some negative experience with anger. And some of you don't understand that yet, but you'll see this. You understand you can have a situation in your home, and it's fine. It makes you angry, and that's fine. You've not crossed any line there. But the way you respond to that situation, whatever it may be, I mean, I I know for our household, most of the time, it's we have to be somewhere at a certain time, and somebody's running late. Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Um, And I can't blame it on my wife. You know, some of you are looking at your wives. uh, Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's my son. We've all been guilty on this. But here's, here's the challenge. If we were to fly into a tirade of cussing and swearing because they're running late, guess what? We've crossed the line into sin. Now, just for the record, that's not happened. That's never happened. Don't cuss at our kids. So, however, if we're angry and it pushes us into this place where we seek the Lord, and God, how can I bring peace into this situation? All of a sudden, we, we find that we're a peacemaker within the home. We've heard the heart of God. Maybe we've had compassion for a situation. My wife needs a little extra time for her makeup in the morning. and Maybe I sympathize with her in a certain way. And uh, you know what? That which was a point of anger has actually drawn me closer to the Lord if I handle it the right way. Do you think that Jesus was happy? When he was flipping tables in the temple? I mean, can you just, just imagine that? He walks in, a smile on his face. and What are you guys doing? We're ripping people off. We're forbidding them from worshiping. Oh, they're poor. They can't afford the sacrifice. And That's eh, nice. No. Jesus was angry. The Bible says that he went out and he fashioned a whip. He came back and he laid that whip upon the backs of some of these religious leaders and he was flipping those tables. You can't tell me that Jesus wasn't angry when that happened. But he did not sin. He did not sin. In fact, there's a, there's a powerful word I'm going to get to in just a second. I don't want to get ahead of myself. There are help me Lord. There are areas of our life that you ought to be angry, you understand. You should be angry over abortion. You should be angry over the the racism that we see in our day. You should be angry over the church's rights being challenged because of COVID. You should be angry over those things. But what we do with that anger, are we gonna, are we gonna, you know, go burn down buildings? No, we're not gonna do that. But if it pushes us to do the right thing, if we respond with the heart of God, you understand that our anger can produce something that's godly, something that's powerful. And where this comes from, you know, did you know that most of the emotions that we read about in the Bible, they're only presented there. It's a a word that I can't pronounce, but essentially what it is, that we give God human emotions so that we can understand what what the Bible is actually talking about. In reality, there are only two emotions that are properly attributed to God. God only has two emotions. Did you guys know this? This might be new. The two emotions that God expresses, and everything else flows out of these two emotions, love and anger. Love, I like the King James, wrath. Some of you think those are contradictory. And if anybody thinks that's contradictory, I instantly know you're not married. (laughs) Why? (laughs) 
Anybody who's married knows, my wife, I love my wife more than anybody on the planet. I truly do. I love her. She has my heart. She can, oh, I mean, I'm just like, I need to be careful. I need to stay PG here. I mean, my wife, she, she can move my heart in a way that nobody else in the world can. But how many also understand, my wife has the ability to make me more angry than anybody else on the planet. Why? Because she's got access to my heart. She knows the buttons to push. I mean, one word. You could say something, and she could say the exact same thing, but the way she says it, you know what I'm talking about. Imagine God, whose capacity to love is far beyond anything you or I could even imagine. His heart and His passion, His desires for us are so much greater than you could ever imagine. Now you imagine if His love is immeasurably huge and inexpressible, how passionate is His wrath. We're missing an entire side, an entire expression. We love, and I agree, the church of Jesus Christ needs a fresh baptism in love. We need to learn how to love the sinner. We need to learn how to love our city. We need to learn how to love our brothers and sisters. I, I, I know most churches have failed in that. Let's be better. However, we're forsaking an entire expression of God that is expressed only through anger when jesus was flipping tables they made a very interesting statement about jesus it was, just, it was actually in a song that we sang earlier today in john chapter 2 jesus is angry he's cleansing the temple and the disciples remember a psalm in psalm 25 11, and this is what they say zeal for your house has consumed me anger is a gateway and that gateway is either going to open a door for sin that will bind you. Notice the very next thing he says. Give no, uh, be angry, do not sin. And then he says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And then he says, give no place to the devil. Anger is a gateway. If you sin in your anger, you're going to give opportunity for the devil to gain a foothold. To gain, I mean, I believe this is where oppression even demonization can come in. If you're giving place to anger and you're sinning in that anger, it's going to become, it's going to become a bad deal for you. However, if we are angry and we do not sin, I believe it gives place to another thing that will consume us. It will consume us. The zeal of the Lord. That's what the disciples said about Jesus. Zeal for your house has completely consumed Jesus. They looked at Jesus and they said he's consumed with this zeal. He was angry, but he did not sin. He was consumed with zeal. If you look at zeal in the Old Testament, it'll actually use the word passion. There's times where it describes jealousy, how they're jealous for the attention of someone. It's zealous. I'm zealous for you. I want your attention. I, I want your love. But I love, did you know that many times, 11 different occasions in the Old Testament, zeal is translated anger. It's righteous anger. It's a righteous passion. I just tell you, worship team, will you come? I'm, I'm done. 
we we need to get angry over some stuff. The founder of the Bible school that I attended, that these wonderful students come from, Brother uh, Gordon Lindsay, he said that every believer, every Christian ought to pray at least one violent prayer a day. Violent prayer. When was the last time we got violent? Violent, take it by force. That's how the kingdom of God, if we're going to advance the kingdom, you know what, this is going to be this fine balance of, Jesus, I love you, I love your people. There's going to be moments where we see some injustice, we see some brokenness, we see something horrendous going on. Sex trafficking should make you angry. Domestic abuse should make you angry. There's a lot of things that I look at, and, and, and sometimes we think, well, anger is not, not right. And I'm just, be angry. Don't sin. We don't want to be consumed by the devil. But when we're consumed by the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, guys, this is a revelation. Anger, when handled correctly, I believe will actually open us to a great anointing from the Holy Spirit. It's called zeal. Zeal. Lord, I just, I lift up your sons and daughters right now. And God, I pray. There are, there are people here who have been wounded by anger. Been wounded by an angry parent. And God, I'm asking that even today, even right now, you would heal. Heal those wounds. Heal, heal that brokenness in our heart. Don't let us miss out on something that could be powerful in our lives because we've been wounded. I ask the healing virtue of God just begin to flow across this room right now. Heal broken and damaged hearts. Bring restoration and wholeness to each and every life all across this room. And God, I believe that today you're going to equip us you're going to empower us by your Holy Spirit. And there's going to be moments where anger crops up in our heart. And it has the potential to take us down a sinful path, but we are not going, we're not going there. I pray, mighty God, when those moments strike our heart, that we're going to say, Holy Spirit, what would you do? Lord, what was, what's, what's the desire of your heart? And in those moments, Lord, your spirit will come upon us in a greater measure. Your zeal, your passion, your desire, your yearning is going to overwhelm and consume us just as it did you, Jesus. Mighty God. I just want to begin to welcome the Holy Spirit right now. Invite him. I want you to stand to your feet all across this room and let's just welcome the Holy Spirit right now. Come on. 
Jesus. Lift up your voice and begin to invite Holy Spirit to fill you in a new and a fresh way. Invite Him to baptize you afresh today. Holy Spirit. Come on, invite him.
I just want you to pray this with me out loud. I want you to pray. Holy Spirit, everybody write out loud. Pray, Holy Spirit, fill me, baptize me by your Spirit, by your fire. I receive a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God praise. I want to leave you with a prayer request today. Everything in me right now wants to move throughout this sanctuary and lay hands on everything that moves. Um, we have other services. They run right into another. I want you to pray that we would have a record fast building program for, for what we're developing over here. And this is the reason why. We'll be able to have nearly 500 seats in that worship space and we're just going to be able to go after God. We won't have another service that's coming for quite a while. And we'll just be able to go after God. Wouldn't that just be wonderful? Hallelujah. So will you pray? You'll pray with me, yeah? Hallelujah. Now, tonight, I told Sharon Hobbs. Sharon's a, an intercessor. She's a prophet. That lady, she just like praying the Holy Ghost and you just feel like, like you're about to fall over. I mean, she's powerful. And so I hope you'll make it back tonight because I told her, it's Pentecost. I want everybody filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to receive prayer, lay hands on everybody, lead us in prayer, pray, you know, however you want to do. And so uh, that's what we're going to go for tonight. It's going to be an awesome time. It'll be tonight at 6 o'clock. I hope to see you there. Let me speak a blessing over you. Would you just lift your hands? Today, I speak the blessing of God over you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Thank Jesus you, Christ. Yes. As Abraham was blessed in every way, may God bless you in every detail yes. of your life. As God blessed Jacob, changing his name to Israel, yes. may your name Christian cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all you set your hands to do. When you're tempted and tried, may you come forth victoriously just as Job, resulting in twice as much as you had before. As you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord may they in turn grow up godly bringing honor to your family name when you honor God with your tithe may financial and material blessing run you down and overtake you in every area may the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed as you wait upon the Lord obey his word and seek him above all else may the blessing of strength courage protection and favor be your reward may the Lord watch over and guard your going out and your coming in Kings Kona, may the Lord bless you and keep you and shine his light upon you and be gracious to you, give you peace. I bless you in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Amen and amen.